Well, day, everyone, and welcome to Big J's Place. I'm your host, Jason Stevens. It's great to have you listening. Now, sorry I've been absent of late because my little boy, Presley, had a very bad ear infection and tonsillitis, and he was teething. And, of course, sharing is caring. He passed it on to my wife, Beck, and she passed the tonsillitis on to me. So, you know where guys are when we get the man flu. It's like a, a full-on two-month sort of recovery thing. So I'm glad to be back, and I'm excited for my next guest, who's a man of many talents. He's a composer who's written huge hits, like Innocent Eyes with Delta Goodrum. He recently formed his own band, we are Lost Luggage with Daniel Spencer, but to add to the mix, he's a successful restaurateur. His bio reads, a vegan egg designer, and I don't have a clue what that is, but <laughs> I'm interested to find out. Please welcome Vince Pinzinga. How do we say this? Pinzinga. Pinzinga. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Very close. Because I've known you for a while, but I've always, with a second name, just in my head thought, it's yeah. a busy oh, weather, but it's a, it's my life story. Where does it originate from? Uh, Calabria in Italy, southern Italy, and that's how they pronounce it there. Pizzinga, Pizzinga, yeah, uh, yeah, like pizzicato because of the double Z. And have you been back there? Or I have. Uh, back in the nineties, I went there for the first time with my parents uh, on the way uh, to my sister's wedding. She was getting married in Austria. Oh wow! Uh, in Vienna and. Um, we decided to take a family trip and visit my relatives that still live uh, there in Calabria. It was, it was an incredible experience. It really was. Uh, it was more profound than I ever imagined because this was the place of my roots that I'd heard so much about, and uh, yeah, just in the context of my whole upbringing in Australia. Uh, going there for the first time and walking around the little village where my parents grew up because they're both from the same place. Wow. In, um, Bianca, uh, in um, Casignana, uh, in uh, Reggio Calabria. And, uh, yeah, it was really just I, I, one of the crazy ex- craziest experiences on that trip was I was just standing out on just a little cobblestone street on my own and this old lady walked outside and she looked at me and she said, you know, you're so-and-so's grandson. And I went, wow. I'd never, she'd never set eyes on me before. but They know, just knew. And um, it turned out that she and my grandmother were best friends when they were little girls. And you know, Isn't that lovely? That was Isn't incredible. That, did you learn anything about yourself? You, I did. Apart from that? I did because growing up in uh, Sydney or in Australia, uh, in the 70s and 80s, you know, I was very aware of my heritage. I mean, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I was experiencing racism you know, oh, back then. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, yeah. At the moment, thinking about it, you think you couldn't imagine it could have happened, but it did. It was very much part of my psyche for my whole childhood growing mm. up, you know. And uh, so I don't think people can real can underestimate that because and, and I know with my cousins it's just because my my background is European like my my grandmother uh, Trieste yes so Italian Northern background Italian, is, yeah. that's right yeah and uh, w- when they came here um, w- one of my cousins so the legend goes is that uh, he was at a school and his name was Tanino. Mm. And the teacher said, nah, mate, your name's Jack. <laughs> I'm calling you Jack. <laughs> he goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, nah, I'm not calling you that. And, yeah. and they, to this day, his name's Jack. That's incredible. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when I listen to stories, my dad arrived here in 1952. He was 13. He went to 
uh, Morris Brothers Ramwick. He said that there was only one other Italian boy there and he didn't speak a word of English. Mm. And, he, I mean, some of the stories that he told me were horrific, just mm. of the kind of, you know, uh, bigotry uh, that was, you know, exercised towards him was pretty awful. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, thankfully we've come a long way, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago that, you know, some, I think a lot of people were having a pretty hard time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think we've we've got, and in, in a way, we've got our parents to thank for, in, oh. in a sense, enduring and, and coming to a new land. I can't even the, imagine the anxiety <laughs> that you know they faced, you know, and the and 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 the racism, but the, to start a whole new life, often with no money, because they, they came here with very, with nothing. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, my grandfather came out here first in 1950 on his own, went to Makaya, cut cane. I mean, he was a builder, but you know, hmm. he just had to do whatever he could just to earn some money, and then my dad. And my uncle followed later. Well, my dad came out on his own, as I said, when he was 13 on a ship. He was, you know, couldn't speak a word of English, uh, came out here on his own, arrived, and then uh, didn't speak to my grandmother, didn't speak to his own mother for three years. Wow. It wasn't until three years later that my grandmother um, eventually moved to Australia with his younger siblings and... Uh, I mean, today we take that for granted. I mean, you know, we're so connected. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. But imagine, imagine being a thirteen-year-old boy and not, you know, I know, actually I know. speaking to your mother for three years. I know. That would be incredible. I know. Some might enjoy that, but I'm <laughs> <laughs> not me. I'm close with my mum, but I'm yeah, just. Me too. <laughs> but I, I wanted to thank you, uh, on, on, because obviously I did the film Chasing Comets, and you know, like we, we didn't really even know each other that well then, but I reached out to you, and because. You know, it was we needed some help with composing some stuff, and thank you so much for oh, for doing pleasure. that. You really like you just nailed everything that oh, we asked, Jason, and it was are you just kidding? like you know, I was no, so no, no, honoured no. to be asked. And you know, uh, I'm so I have so much admiration for you for making that film, and because uh, the amount of work, and you would know this better than anyone, that it takes. To get a project like that over the line is just almost insurmountable and you have to have a lot of grit and a lot of gumption to be able to actually, you know, see that to fruition and That's you did it and you. that is and, and a lot of help with people like yourself and like Gary, Gary Pinto, yeah, our good but friend. but it's a testament to the kind of person you are because, yeah, you... That's true, I'm Gary sure didn't you... do that much, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but to get a project like that over the line, you do need help from a lot of people and it's a testament to you for the kind of person that you are, that people were willing to actually do it. And, uh, you know, oh, it's thanks, because mate. people love you and respect you. And Oh, that's kind of you. Well, And so, as I said, I have got infinite admiration for you for what you achieved in getting that. Well, thank you, because I've, hopefully it's the first of, of many. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's some, some good stuff on the horizon. But the, the industries are... Um, they're the same but different in a way. Like, but the both both hard industries that obviously I'm talking about your the the the, the uh, music industry, yeah. which has really had its challenges. I, w- I would imagine over the, over the years, and and more so probably. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, for I Australian think, artists, you know. Sure. I mean, I think it goes without saying that you know a life in the arts is always difficult. Uh, not the work part, because I think that people get involved in the arts because. 
you know, I've always thought they have no choice. It's just something that burns in them to yeah. to be part of it. And, you know, the hardship in terms of, you know, making a living and all those sorts of things aren't really a consideration. You just, not that you don't feel them, but, you know, you, you're you just so driven by this desire to be to creative. Create. It's so true. It's so true. You but know, the people do, do, who don't get that don't get that. No, they don't. But do you that's know what I mean? okay. But, you know, I think when you do meet other creative people, you just have this kind of you do. language that, this shorthand that you speak with each other and you know that that is ultimately what's driving you. And, uh, yeah, look, the music is, industry has is difficult has been difficult and uh and i think it's particularly difficult to be an artist at the moment given in the light of what's going on um so well, can you tell me why like why just from a as it from a fan's point of view so we watch these shows and and um you know that obviously your good friend is one of the you know delta's one of the judges and it's great great talent and so forth but why is it that at the end of it Nothing comes really out of the out of the people who win it in many 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 occasions. It's it's more rare to have someone who breaks through yeah. and gets airplay on the charts as distinct from, you know. But back in the day, I mean, I, you know, obviously with with uh, you know Shannon Olga, Sebastian, and that 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 was a different kind of era. They were getting yeah. considerable airplay and still do. And that yeah, I'm 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 not exactly sure of the reason why. It, maybe we haven't seen a big artist emerge from those kinds of shows but not a even while. a big artist i'm talking like just yeah. they're going from the radar very quickly sure yeah look i i think i don't think that that answer is simple i mean because you know i guess when idol first came uh on the air you know you had some of the biggest artists in the world who were still around like kelly clarkson Oh, you absolutely. Know, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not that those shows haven't been a vehicle for some really big artists they have I'm not ex- entirely sure why. Uh, but do you understand why they don't get airplay? The, do you understand that dynamic, or is that a different space to where you? Um, look, I think I've always said this about the, the state of modern music, and is that the, you've got nowhere to hide at the moment. At the moment, uh, everything is driven uh, because you've got so much access to fans and people have got so much access to music, you know, if, if people love things, they make it, you know, it becomes big on its own. It's like never before have we seen, uh, had this mechanism where things can become huge in a very organic way. You know, once upon a time you might have thought, oh, it's because record labels are, you know, it's... Not supporting or... or yeah, yeah, all right. sorts of things or there might be territorial reasons why. But now, you know, music is available all the time, everywhere, you know. So, okay. so you think and, that, that, that if it's good, it'll find its way. Absolutely. It will I, find its way. Ultimately, okay. I think that that is just, the you know, to a large extent the way it works. You know, people aren't shy about sharing things or uh, liking things and recommending things. So now, I mean, I think if something's good, you know, it uh, it has to stand on its own. So, so where did it start for you? Where did the, the journey of, you know, creativity, of composing and, you know, writing and... Which is is hard work. It is. I mean, I think my earliest memories of music were ABBA. Like, I just remember being a five-year-old kid and just hearing ABBA, you know, back when Countdown was on or Sounds. This is like, I'm 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 an old person. Yeah, yeah, Donnie. uh, (laughs) Donnie Sutherland. (laughs) It was awesome. And Molly, you know, that was, but that was, but I just remember hearing these songs and thinking, oh my gosh, this is just Whatever music is, this is the greatest gift on earth. You know, my wife can't stand ABBA, and I'm like, it's almost a deal breaker because I'm like, how can you, 
How can you not? Because some of the songs, man, they're, they're incredible. Just, they're but still incredible. They've the, the test but, of time. But you know, that was the very first concert I went to. My parents. I remember. I think it must have been around 1975. We went to the Sydney showground. It was pouring rain. I was about five years old or something. My sister and I, and we went. And uh, I mean, I didn't didn't see a thing. But I remember being at this place, and it was absolutely packed and raining. And ABBA were playing. ABBA. I could hear the songs. And wow, because I saw Jimmy Barnes at the at at the Easter show. I didn't know ABBA were ABBA were. Yeah, well, they were touring Australia. And um, oh wow, yeah, so. But I just remember that's one of my earliest memories of you know music, and then don't hate me for this, but I <laughs> I became a huge Kiss fan. You know that was probably the first album oh, yeah. I bought with my own money was Best of the Solo albums, no, I and I became Kiss. as obsessed. I yeah, just became yeah. obsessed, and it was the reason I started playing guitar. And it really just I started having guitar lessons. I learned classical guitar, and that's really where my musical journey started. Was it Ace Freely? Was he Ace the, Freely was my hero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, car, the, the cards. Room. I had the cards with the bubble gum. Yeah, 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 Kiss. I had the jacket. I was in the Kiss Army. <laughs> you know, and one of my greatest uh, hero moments was actually meeting and uh, having a coffee with Paul Stanley in Los no, Angeles. No, you didn't. I did. How did that happen? Oh, just randomly, I met us. There was a. A guy who worked security for them was also um, involved with Jimmy Barnes or Cole Chisel. I met him at a Cole Chisel show and um, I just told him that, you know, I was a big Kiss fan and he told me that he was working with them and he told me next time I'm in LA to reach out to him and I did and he got me a meeting with Paul Stanley and we were talking about working together and I'm sitting there in this cafe in somewhere in Beverly Hills, and I just could not believe this was happening. Wow, that's you know, a very surreal moment. It was a it? very surreal moment, it and is. then they came and toured in Australia, and they gave me, you know, backstage passes, and I'm talking to Gene Simmons. I couldn't believe it. I wow, was just like childhood wow. dream come true. That that's awesome. Yeah. That's a really good. That, yeah. that, that, that that was my big fan moment. So so from there you started. How did you? Because how do you learn how to write music? Did you study it? Did yeah, you? yeah, I had a, I had my very first music teacher was this. Uh, he was from, he, he was from the Italian army. He was a band leader from of the course, Italian army. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to have these group lessons in the basement of his house in Croydon here in Sydney. And the guy was a chain smoker, but taught me all music theory in Italian. So the, all of the lessons were conducted in Italian, which was crazy, but wow. ultimately very helpful because so much of music nomenclature is in Italian anyway. Mm. Uh, and that's where I learnt music theory, and then I went on studied. I got a, um, I moved on and got a, uh, a classical guitar teacher, and uh, learnt classical guitar, and then I started playing in bands. And but uh, by the time I finished high school, I guess I mean what I really want to do is just keep playing guitar in my band. But I, th- you know, I thought I needed to do the responsible things. So I went to. Uh, I studied electrical engineering at the University of New South Wales, which really? is where I met you for the did, first time. Did we meet each other there? Yeah, they, you, you would remember. I but don't I, re- no. I remember meeting you out in the front of the library lawn with, I'd met a, uh, there's another guy from the Shire who was playing football for uh, St George, and he introduced me to you. What? Not David LaRusso, the Italian guy. Yes. My friend Dave. Yeah. I rang him last week. He still hasn't <laughs> ring me back. Is he, are you kidding me? No, I'm serious. I thought we talked about this before. Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's it. Because did you... Because then another, there's another friend, Marco Rossi, who's another Italian guy. Did you meet him? He, no. he owns Built now. Oh, one no, of the biggest... He's become a multi-multi. He doesn't return he? my calls. Any. <laughs> I mean a multi. <laughs> no wonder he doesn't return my calls. 
He probably thinks I want to hit him up for film stuff. <laughs> I don't. I didn't realise that's where we met. Yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh, I that's mean, we, hilarious. We didn't hang out, but I, did, I remember meeting you, though. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It, was a good, it was a good uni. I, yeah, I, I loved it there. It was, it was good. Really good. Although, you know, I guess the thing for me, that whole journey at uh, doing that degree kind of was bittersweet because I, even though I finished it and uh, I was glad and proud that I'd done it, I just realised that it wasn't my calling. It really wasn't, yep. you know, I just wasn't passionate about it. And uh, and sometimes you've got to do stuff to actually, to say, you know yeah, what, I've tried right. it, but it's actually not not for me. Sometimes there's no other way to, yeah. you've got to I, go down the path of something. And yeah, then. I mean, at that point, I just, even in my own head, I thought, you know, I need to do the responsible thing. I'd I was good at school. I oh, was getting top true. marks in, you know, everything. Yep. And I was ducks of my ear a bunch of times. And, you know, I guess I thought, oh, you need to get a degree. Isn't <laughs> it? Is it? That's the thinking, eh? Because that yeah. was the same with me because I, I did a commerce. Right. And I'm, I'm the furthest thing from an accountant, right, which is what right, I majored right. in. Furthest right, right, thing. Right. But the, the advice of, I remember, of the... Uh, the, um, the um, education sort of people at, at school were sorry they, they you know they they sort the of careers try, the careers advisor sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're supposed to like sit down and talk and yeah. like what are your passions and yeah and literally walking down the hall she just said oh you should do um accounting you're very good at and i was like oh I, that was it that was the <laughs> no, sit down <laughs> there was no like, yeah yeah, yeah no consultation I in, in my yearbook i actually yeah. wrote that i'd I want to interview people for a living. That's right. what I want to do. I want oh, to do wow. like a, t- a, a Tonight Live with Steve Weisart. That's what oh, I... Amazing. And I ended up meeting him, actually. Oh, my God. I and, love and Steve Weisart. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that was incredible. It was very good. Yeah. But we didn't realise he was ripping off... Colbert? Dave, no, oh, no, Letterman. Dave Letterman. <laughs> like, word for word. <laughs> well, he's clever, mate. That was getting the tape sent overnight because no one knew that we didn't have... <laughs> that's right. I don't remember seeing David Letterman until way after Steve Weiss. That's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. No, but it's it's interesting, eh? That whole whole journey of security and really, if you're yeah. going to move into the creative field, it's like get comfortable, sort of being uncomfortable, you know? Like, well, that's right. I mean, although in a in a funny sort of way, it was because of my engineering degree that ultimately let me led me to becoming a musician. Because in my final year, when I did my thesis, I designed a digital uh, audio equalizer. Um, wow! I did this project in conjunction in conjunction with the CSIRO. They had developed this little microprocessor called the A4 and uh, it was used for of all things tracking satellites <laughs> wow but the thing that this chip did was this math- mathematical function called a Fourier transform and turns out that this mathematical function is really useful in audio and so they were looking for a bunch of students to uh, use this chip to create devices in the audio realm and so I decided to build this audio equaliser and it worked. <laughs> this was, wow. you know. Did you, did you patent it? or We couldn't patent it. Well, not as an undergraduate. As an the undergrad- university, you know, owns everything you do. Oh, what? That's a rot. <laughs> it is a rot, Jason. <laughs> it is a rot. <laughs> but the good thing was, my, I remember my professor, who was, you know, he was really my thesis supervisor. He was really big in the audio world. He took me on a, this field trip. Uh, with this group of audio With engineers. the money he made from the <laughs> from your project. 
<laughs> well, he took me to the EMI recording studios at Studios 301 in uh, Castle Ray Street no in Sydney way. to go and just see the recording studios. Anyway, uh, I went and saw it and I remember walking into those studios thinking, I'm in paradise. This is everything I ever dreamed of. Wow. And I met the um, the head of engineering there and told him about my project and he was so interested. He said, bring it in. So I took it in there and he went, this is great. They actually tested it in situ in the studio and it worked and he was so impressed he gave me a job. Wow. And uh, that's how it really started. I got a job at the EMI recording studios in Castle Ray Street and uh, I just spent my... Well, so, I mean, my job was as a technical engineer so I was in there, you know, lining up the analogue 24-track tape machines and, you know, fixing microphones and, you know, just all the kind of technical work and designing stuff for them. And then at night and on the weekends I'd just go in the studio and learn how to use the studio and record my own music Wow, and that's how, so that's how it all started. Yeah, right? and after four years, I just decided, you know what? I'm giving it all up. I'm just going to focus on my music. I went in and said, Mum and Dad, I'm a musician today. Wow, and how did that go? <laughs> Surprisingly, they were incredible. They were so supportive. They that's just said, cool. that's just great. do whatever makes you happy. And Isn't that that's, good? And, I, you know, at that point, it was such a... I'll never forget it as being... It was one of the greatest days of my life because... This burden just lifted off my shoulders. And I it was just at that point where I finally went, you know what? Today is like the first day of my the rest of my life because now I'm gonna do what I love. And I didn't at that point I didn't couldn't care less about how poor I was gonna be or not. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was just getting up every day and just doing something that I absolutely loved. And uh, it was incredible. That's so that's that's amazing. That's amazing. I I, I encourage anyone listening you know, like to take that to heart because you, if you, you know, you've got to be true to your calling. You know, there's something, there's something on yeah. the inside. Like when I'm retired footy, I, I was worked for Fox Sports and and you know I love footy. I've you know I still watch it and, and yeah, all that stuff. But I just I just like I was like so unhappy there yeah, to be right. honest. I was like this right, is not right. what I'm meant to do. Yeah. And so I so um I started writing scripts I did screenwriting courses and then yeah. I said that was like 15 years ago I said not realizing actually how long the journey was going to be but I did, but in it like you I didn't I, you know, when you're writing there's yeah. something that's so exhilarating about that you're creating stuff yeah. that you that it's you, all about the work you 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 pay the you, you pay the price you know what I mean you, yeah I mean the reward you know I think we sometimes have been conditioned to thinking that this reward comes through I don't know, money, things, whatever. Yeah. And those things are fine. They're great. They're, you know. But uh, I can't express, and you would know this as well, when you have this idea in your head and you create something and it's it becomes alive and you get to yep. share it with people or, you know, you get to appreciate it for yourself. I mean, I can't tell you the joy that I personally experience hearing a piece of music that I've written, you know, Absolutely, you know, when it's just some, when it's just a kernel of an idea in your head, and then suddenly you hear it out aloud. Yes, uh, it is. You know, there is not enough money in the universe that can make up for that kind of uh, satisfaction and gratitude and joy that you get from that. The Italian part of me says that's probably not true, <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you're saying. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you're talking techie and so forth. I notice a lot on your Twitter that, you know, there's a lot of stuff about quantum physics and science. And yeah. So what, are, you, are you in that space? Do you just I am. Lo- you really just love 
No, I do. It's it's funny. It, I often think about that. That when I was uh, studying quantum mechanics and uh, and physics as part of my degree, that I kind of wasn't really passionately interested at all. And it's only been, I think, after I finished that I have grown in, you know, intensely passionate about it. So, uh, so what about what about it? What what? I think especially, uh, I'm you know, for me, science is a big part of my life and the way I think about the world and you know, I, my perspective on the way I think about things, and also just uh, combining that with my own spirituality and how do I combine the two. Um, uh, and it's an evolving thing, you know. I think about the history of the way uh, we thought about the universe. You know, you know, for instance, before Galileo, uh, it was uh, everybody thought that the uh, that the universe revolved around the Earth. And of course, he he got out a telescope and with his, you know, rudimentary mathematics worked out that that wasn't actually true and he mm. was deemed a heretic for mm, it. That's right. And he was only, you know, he was under house arrest for the rest of his life and only pardoned a few years ago. Wow. But, you know, when he came out and, um, you know, said to the world, no, the earth is a ro- revolving around the sun, that was a big deal, you know. Wow. And it because it just suddenly changed the way we understood... Uh, our place in the universe mm. and the evolution of science and the way you know if I think about you know the history of uh, the way we describe the atom you know what it was back in the days of Rutherford as compared to you know uh, the way we think about it now in in terms of quantum mechanics is very different and again it has very big philosophical implications about the, the way we think about our place in the universe well, tell tell me, universe. tell me about that. Tell me about that. But but you have got something in common with with another museo. You mentioned Galileo, but yeah. Brian May, of course, is an oh, astro- yes, astrophysicist right. yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. So there's something about you guys that just keep, <laughs> you're thinking, you're thinking all the time. But tell me, how does it? How do you think it affects your worldview, knowing what you know? Um, well, I mean, the the thing about especially well quantum mechanics, for instance, you know is it defies a lot of things that we kind of understand about our day-to-day experience. So in classical physics, you know, you drop a ball on the ground, it bounces. We see this kind of cause and effect of, you know, a particle hitting a surface. And so there is this direct, uh, we observe this direct reaction from uh, a physical uh, property of, a, of, of the ball, for instance. But in um, quantum mechanics, strange things happen. Because, you know, particles exist as waves. We don't exactly know where they are. Uh, They uh, do things like entanglement. So one particle could be separated by light years and then one particle affects another particle and we don't know why. There's just all sorts of things that we just don't understand about it uh, at the moment. So it's, you know, just when we think that we have a clearer picture of, you know, uh, who we are and our place in the universe, along comes come new theories that just open up a can of worms and uh, and show us that we actually still have so much to learn. So, do you, do you believe in the supernatural? Uh, no, I, I mean, I have. It's one of those things where I don't have evidence to say that it's not true. Mm. 
I also don't have evidence to say that it is true. So I don't discount it, but I haven't had any experiences with it. But say, say for example, because you, do you still adhere to your Catholic faith or...? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess uh, I, it's not like I go to church weekly. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Christianity and Catholicism is, you know, a big part of who I am and how I grew up and, you know, will continue to be, I'm sure, forever. Well, say, say for example, because we're talking about that realm, like then, I don't know how it fits into the quantum physics realm or anything like that, but say that the resurrection yeah. then of Christ, that's yes. a supernatural occurrence. Sure. So does that come into any of your... your yeah, I, I mean, I think that uh, uh, spirituality can certainly coexist with um, science. Science is... I believe so. Oh, 100%. I believe 100%. And they're, you know, they're, they're completely a- different things and there's no, they're not mutually exclusive. So there's no reason why you can't believe in science and also not be a spiritual person. And, I agree, uh, I agree. Spirituality, you know, is a whole, you know... It's other, another podcast with you. <laughs> it's, another, <laughs> it's another podcast. But they all both are, you know, just really important things and... Uh, and I, I don't think that you need to, you know, if you ascribe to one, you don't. That doesn't negate the other. No, I, agree. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. I just want to change tracks a little bit because you have started a a, a new band. Yeah. Uh, we are Lost Luggage. It's a great name. Oh, thanks. Where did that come from? Was that you or Daniel? Well, it was actually Daniel's son, Tennyson. Uh, so oh. Daniel Spencer and I, we met. She was actually kind of pivotal in my music career because I met her in 1999, and. Uh, so the very first album I got to produce for a record label was hers. It was an album called White Monkey and she'd written all these songs. And anyway, I got my first big production gig for a record label doing her album. And uh, that oh, wow. album came out in 2000, 2000, 2001. And, you know, we've been best friends ever since. I'm godfather to her kids. I was, you know, at her wedding. and That's um, lovely. Yeah. Anyway, so... She's got a great voice. She's an incredible talent. She's an incredible songwriter. She's just one of these very uh, humble, uh, just incredible talents. Uh, and uh, as I said, you know, she's been a close friend uh, for as long as we've known each other. Because my wife, Beck, um, was at an event a few years ago and um, she sat next to her and she was just like, Girl was just so nice, just so nice. Oh, she's you know, like, and it was like she didn't really know who my, you know, right. Was. She's just such. Obviously, a good she probably person. heard of me, but it's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I don't think she's a shark supporter. <laughs> she's not a shark supporter. <laughs> so, oh, that's so good. That's so good. So, we're, 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 I mean, obviously, you can't tour it at the moment. It's a no, bit frustrating, but look, you know, you know Danny just get Lana, it out there and yeah. I mean, look, when I moved back from Los Angeles uh, a few years ago, um, we just felt like. Uh, getting in the studio and doing some a fun project together, and we thought, why don't we? We had done uh, a track that, uh, like a cover of a song called "Be My Baby" for uh, that got a sync on Channel Seven, a uh, Channel Seven show, and we thought, why don't we keep, uh, you know, uh, elaborate on this idea? So we just picked a bunch of songs that we loved from the eighties, from the eighties, because that's when we Bronsky were. Beat. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, That's we just, awesome. We I just, love it. We just thought that, you know, we'd love to just reimagine some of these songs and, you know, be creative. And That's then so we good. then we just shot some videos and they were really just all stream of consciousness things. We didn't there's no narrative in any of them. We just thought we'll do them in black and white. <laughs> 
so good. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun, and we had a lot. Um, we were really glad to have done it. And yeah, as I said, I mean, it's a shame right now that we don't have the opportunity to go out and play. But hopefully, um, Brass Monkey around the corner, mate. We'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Have you played there? No, I've never played there. Oh, it's such a such a good place. Oh, cool. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean. Uh, Diesel and a lot of them come, a lot of them come and, and play at Mossy and yeah, so yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's sure. a great little yeah, just yeah, underground yeah. in Cronulla, you know. Yeah, so it gets a great crowd. It's Lebanese food, the family. Oh, so it's, it's so good, oh, so I love good. Lebanese food. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> awesome. Um, last question, uh, you, you know, Mark and Vinny's. Have, it's you know been very successful for you. It's a it's a, in Surrey Hills, the the restaurant. I still yes, am is. am so keen to grace that place <laughs> and make a pig of myself. But what is a vegan egg? Okay, Design. so when I was um, living in Los Angeles, uh, there was a lot of vegan restaurants there, and uh, which I enjoyed, and that was kind of my first foray into vegan cuisine. Uh, but the one thing I missed was having eggs, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try and find out a way for vegans to have the experience of having eggs on toast. So I just did a bit of research, I kind of put my scientist hat back on, and um, I, I read about this process called reverse verification. <laughs> Wow. Which is, uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, I messed around, uh, got a few ingredients on Amazon, um, including a silicon mold and something called sodium alginate, and uh, pureed some uh, sweet potato and then created a vegan egg. And uh, I met Mark Filippelli, who's a restaurateur from Melbourne. I met him in Los Angeles and told him about <laughs> this invention yeah. and uh, at that stage I was this was around 2016 I was telling him that I was thinking about moving back to Australia and getting involved in maybe a restaurant and he went that's a great idea I've got a space in St Kilda called uh, why don't we open a restaurant there and, and so a bunch of us partnered together and we opened a place called Matcha Milk Bar and featured the vegan egg Wow! and it just uh, it and was it incredible yeah, it yeah. took off and again it was just one of these things where I couldn't believe it it was just this idea in my head and then suddenly it was there on a plate so you <laughs> did you actually get in the kitchen and, and workshop yeah, it? Well, in Los or Angeles in yes. Los Angeles wow yeah, actually wow. yeah and then um, uh, we got into the restaurant with the chefs and they fine tuned it and, uh, and now at Mark and Vinny's you know uh, we decided to bring some of that uh, innovation that we um, learnt from matcha milk bar and so now we've got this Italian pasta bar in Surrey Hills and we do a lot of vegan dishes and one of them is this uh, a vegan carbonara which has a vegan egg yolk on top of it wow What's it, what is it can you describe the taste is it well I mean it tastes like sweet potato but it has the mechanics of a it looks like you can crack the yolk and it'll run isn't that great that's a <laughs> what a great that's amazing that's just amazing that's your creativity that's your your science, that's everything that, uh, that you know, boiled into an egg. <laughs> my big <laughs> all, nose. All moulded into, into this egg, which yeah. is, it's, it's amazing what you've done. You've, honestly, you've, you've led such a, such a, a great life. Like, a, it's a colourful life. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's success, but it's the kind of success that, um, you know, it's obviously, it's, you know, there's, there's, you've had chart topping hits and so, stuff like that, but to move in, in and out of different fields in itself, Oh, is, thanks, is, is really impressive, man. <laughs> I think it's part impressive. of it is, uh, you know, um, as we were talking before, we're on air, I'm, you know, uh, I'm not married, I'm single, and I think part of it is probably just having the, you know, the freedom to do those things at the moment, you know, throughout my life. 
um, I've, I guess in the back of my head I've always thought, well, you know, if things go south, it doesn't matter, it only affects me. I think might have, maybe if I'd had a family, or I might have thought differently. But, uh, but yeah, I've always been driven by creativity and, you know, you know, the restaurant is a big departure from the music business, but uh, for me it's like a new avenue of uh, creativity. So I'm really, I had, you know, no idea if it was going to do well or not, and thankfully it's been really successful. And But the thing that is most gratifying is just seeing people in the restaurant sitting there eating <laughs> food that, you know, as and I said, enjoy, was just like yeah. an idea in my head at some point and then suddenly it's there on a plate and see people really love it is, you know, again, I can't describe I can't help I'll... but think the Italian part of me still <laughs> says one of the best parts is seeing them pay at the counters. <laughs> <laughs> That's good too. It's both good. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, mate. Oh, it's been great so. chatting with you. Thank I you really, me, really man. appreciate friendship, and I'm excited for for what's ahead. Let's just get out of this little little yeah. period, huh? Everybody, stay safe, and you know, yeah. be generous, and look after each other, and wash your hands. That's the. And when I talked about people paying in the counter, I wasn't talking about me when I come. But that's just <laughs> no, <laughs> only after you. <laughs> you get the VIP treatment. Thanks, mate. All right, Jase. Thank you, mate.